0: Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Welcome
1: to another edition of the Flagship Sports Podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rod Morgan. This podcast is produced by James Jamriska. And joining me from North Carolina, my co-host, who, after we get done talking about golf for a couple of minutes here will be unleashed on the world, driving a segment on his own. Mr. Chris King. Chris, hello.
0: Hey, Rod. And it is a doozy. We're going to have Balls and Brew Hall of Famer, the Morgan You Know Hall of Famer, Evan Altman on. So people need to stay tuned.
1: Yeah, Mr. Roberts, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in here and just remind you and the people that it is not a bit from me. I am not watching baseball, so I will be stepping aside and allowing Chris to drive. Mr. Roberts, you have a little more experience than I do of Chris driving a podcast due to the early days here of Balls & Brew. What can the people expect?
2: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Probably some really odd questions. Uh, Some, I wouldn't say long-winded answers, but it'll be entertaining. For sure. Absolutely.
1: Well, listen, Mr. Mister Evan Altman is involved, so he has always got great information. So no matter what Chris serves up to him, I'm sure Evan Altman brings great baseball knowledge. I think Jimmy Jamerisk, our producer, is around on that, so you can hear that on the back end. But we have a major in golf this weekend, and I guess, Mr. Roberts, let's start here. The way that you can separate the real golf fans from the casual golf fans is us real golf fans know that this is just the Open Championship, correct? I-
2: I cringe when I hear the British Open, and it's like somebody just trying to sound cool. It's, it's the Open. It's the original. It's the one.
1: And they're playing at the course, in my humble opinion, right? I mean, when I think British Open, I probably think St. Andrews first. That's just the one that comes to the top of mind. What about you?
2: Every year when it's the Open and I kind of forget where they're playing, I'm like, ooh, I hope they're playing St. Andrews. You know, it's the 150th, so we're going back to the home of golf. This place has been around since the 1500s. It's cool. I think a lot of you're seeing that out of the golfers this week, a little more than normal, um, a little more sentimental. Uh, We had Jack kind of saying this is probably his last go round at St. Andrews, you know, being there for everything. Uh, Unfortunately, we never know. This could be Tiger's last chance to play in an open at St. Andrews. So I think you're seeing people soak this in and enjoy it. So it's it's cool. Yeah, I'm with you. It's the place. That's where you, that's where you want it to be,
1: Mr. King. We all know that you are old and you enjoy things that are old. I mean, the Open Championship just kind of has that old golf feel to it. So I'm sure it's probably your favorite major. No,
0: it's it's. I'm a big fan of the Masters, but the Open probably is. It has a whole lot more history and tradition seeped into that course at St. Andrews specifically. And I'm with you. You think of the Open. You think of playing golf across the pond. You think of St. Andrews. That's the course. That's the history. That's where you want to win. And let's pray to the golf gods as that's where we get to see Tiger dominate again that would be
1: awesome wouldn't it i mean that the golf could use tiger woods running up leaderboards this weekend and not the live tour being the top of mind we'll have to get to that for a few minutes here at the back end but mr roberts let's start here links courses like these right you have some municipal courses are set up this way do you think it's the fairway or is it the pot bunkers that you think would cause more trouble on these courses for the average golfer i'm not the fairways the roughs excuse me
2: Really, it's the pot bunkers are way more penal than the rough. I mean, the rough will be penal, but like you get in one of those with a three foot lip on it and you're wedged up against it, good luck getting it out. Uh, but the fairways are actually going to be a concern this week if they keep going like this. They say they're so firm. I've seen videos of guys like bouncing a ball off the fairway and catching it waist high. So if the Goodness fairways are gracious. like this and you get the run, you get the bounce. You might see some interesting, otherwise well-struck balls that miss their target by 75 yards.
1: But then I would suppose on the flip side, though, you could also see some of your long hitters, which tends to be most of these guys these days. If they catch them right, they could be getting near the green on a lot of those par 4s, no? 100%.
2: They're, they're, I bet they'll be over 10 balls like sneak up on a group while they're on the green. These guys are running it out crazy. I know one of the caddies put out on Twitter the other day that he saw Bryson DeChambeau hit a six iron 305 yards on one of the holes.
1: Gee, many Christmas, man. I'm lucky if I can hit a six iron 165 yards.
2: (laughs) That's that's long. I mean, and the good thing about St. Andrews is if it's dry like that and it's not windy, you could see scores going really low. Um, If it gets wet, gets a little windy, it might cut all that out. So it – Could be a different course every single day.
1: Well, the other thing with the Open Championship is it always seems difficult to watch because of the time difference, right? It's on so early in the morning, and for you, being three hours behind those of us here on East Coast time, I mean, it's going to be even more difficult, so I tend to always catch up to it on Sunday. So you think we could be looking at possible low scores unless weather comes in which is the other thing the open championship is famous for these guys are always wearing windbreakers there's always like gusts of wind like rainfall the skies are always gray right that's what that's what the pictures always look like from the open championship
2: yeah anybody you ever talked to that's played st andrews it's it rained the whole time i was there and the wind blew 40 miles an hour it doesn't matter what what time what what time of the year they went if it stays fairly calm uh the numbers will be low you, you're probably looking 13, 14, 15 wins that tournament under. Um, if it gets a little nasty, you might be closer to that 8, 9, 10.
1: All right, so we all love the dream scenario of Eldrick being up there near the top. We all know that that's probably not very feasible, but he may flirt with it for a little while to make things interesting. But if you had to put a couple of bets down on some guys to look out for at this kind of play, Mr. Roberts, who would you be leaning towards?
2: Well, one guy you can't not mention at this point right now is Xander Shoffley. He's won his last three starts. Yeah. He's playing lights out. He plays creative, which is very important there. Um you know, you have a hundred yards into a hole, you might have eight different shot options. So you gotta be able to know which one's the right one for each play. So he does that well. Um Rory, I think, has just been on a tear this year. If Scotty Scheffler doesn't win, you know, three out of four tournaments early in the year, Rory's probably up there as probably one of the better players that's that's out this year um, and then I think somebody that brings a little magic in around this time and it always does is Jordan Spieth. he has a weird thing about opens playing well I think he said he's finished in the top 10 four of his eight open starts um, he's playing pretty good right now they're watching me chipping everything in during these practice rounds it's he's Spieth doing Spieth things so those three guys I think would be would be good to put some money on.
1: Mr. King, you're our long shot guy when it comes to golf. Who's somebody else that you'd be that you'd be looking for this weekend that you want to you want to get out there because you're pretty good on these. Sometimes you can do a shot in the dark with these PGA golfers. You have some sort of weird like sense. You <laughs> can throw you can throw grass in the air and just know something's <laughs> of, of a foot.
0: So I I wanted to go with a long shot, but like I really gotta lean towards somebody that uh, Roberts just hinted at, and that's uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I think he's played really well this year and. I want to see him. This would be my second pick for best thing to happen at the Open. If Scotty wins this, he would be the fifth person ever to win the Open or uh, win five times in a year, including the Masters and the Open. Only people who have done that are Hogan, Palmer, Tom Watson, and Tiger Woods. Are those guys pretty good golfers? I'm not sure that
1: I've ever heard of those guys before (laughs) that you just mentioned. He'd be putting himself in the category. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they're pretty good.
1: Goodness gracious. All right, Scotty Scheffler, I like that. But, Mr. Roberts, correct me if I'm wrong here, but all of the names that we have just brought up are PGA Tour golfers. Are there not? Do we give one of these live traders, as I like to call them, a shot?
2: I, I There's one live guy that I really like that I think can play well in these and has done it before, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did it again, is Louis Oosthuizen. But he just hasn't been playing a ton this year. Um, he seems to play those links style. Again, I say creative because you may have 15 different ways to hit a certain shot. He seems to relish in that kind of plot around and try to pick apart a course. So I can see him doing some damage for sure. The other guys, I mean, there's not a you know eight million dollar first prize, so how into it can they be?
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So here, I'm going to make my official pick for the Open, and I'm just picking my new favorite golfer not named John Rahm and that is Billy Horschel. That's I'm just picking Billy Horschel. He's my new guy. I loved his press conference. I just love it when a dude sits up there and just lets fire from the hit, but he does it in a way that's kind of semi respectful, but also no holds barred at the same time and is just not afraid to really say what is on their mind. My favorite kind of press conference, Mr. Roberts when I saw those clips going around, I was like, that's my dude.
2: That was uh it was a good time. That was a good watch. Um I saw Billy do one of the nicest things I've ever seen where he just grabbed some wedges out of his bag because kids asked for an autograph and they didn't have anything for him to autograph. And he just pulled out some clubs from his bag and gave it to him. That was pretty cool. So he's always been high in my book on that kind of stuff. So I'm with you. I like that. I don't really like the pick this week, but you you do you, buddy.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is just more sentimental with me. You know, I'm all about vibes when it comes to these things, right? And and Horschel just said a lot of what I have had to say about this Live Tour. And you, I know, tuned in over the 4th of July weekend with the boys hanging out, and you guys decided to check in on the Live product. What was it like?
2: It was awesome. I mean, I didn't expect that. I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't watched any of it, but... We chose to watch that over the rival PGA Tour event. Um, the way they kind of kept a ticker going with the team aspect, there was constant golf on. So many more shots were seen, and there's a lot less people, so I know that's easier to do. Um, but the way they set up the shotgun start was pretty cool. Everybody's playing the course at the same time. Um, they were smart enough to adjust that, so basically the last like three groups. Are all basically 1A, 1B, 1C. So they finish at the same time. Um, It'd be kind of weird, you know, to win a tournament on the third hole and the guy in (laughs) second place is on like the 13th. So the shotgun starts a little hard, but. but I mean, unless you're playing a tournament
1: with your high school reunion, it would seem a little bit weird.
2: Absolutely. Or the local FOP, you know, one of those events. But uh, just the broadcast was cool. It was entertaining. It was. It didn't. Obviously, it's a new product, but it was just a different take on a golf broadcast. Um, One thing I did have a problem with was the champagne and podium ceremony afterwards. Felt a little forced trying to get in on some of that F1 fame. Right. Um, I didn't care for that, but the actual golf product on TV was cool.
1: All right, Mr. King, when you are a little further away from situations, you have a way of looking at these things and, and, and examining them across history. Do you have a, Do you have any new thoughts on what's going on with the Live Tour? Am, am I still going too far by coming down on these guys? What are, what are your thoughts now that the Live Tour has lived and existed for a little bit longer and we've even had our guy Brooks Kefka jump and go to the other side?
0: Usually and most times in labor situations, I tend to – lean toward the uh employee uh, worker bees if you will uh more so than than ownership um it's hard for me to do that in this situation though and it's getting harder and harder for me to do that in all professional sports um there's no way for uh uh people of our persuasion to be able to afford to go to as many sporting events as we would like or as many as we went to when we were kids and our parents were able to afford to go to sporting events um and i'm getting sick and tired of the greed i think is what it comes down to i think you know what i think that's a
1: very good answer right there i really do because i think that that's the thing that Mr. Roberts, while I will completely agree with you on all of those innovations to the broadcast are things that the PGA Tour needs to think about, the shotgun starts could even be something they think about, cutting back a couple of a couple of tournaments, which then means sponsors go down, and that's a whole other thing, you know what I mean, so I know that that's a more delicate situation than, you know, you can just take one off the chalkboard, and it doesn't matter. But at the same time, it just is awfully hard to be able to now be one of these guys that jump to the live tour and try to give some reason for why you're doing it other than I have no problem taking Saudi Arabian money, right? Like it's just, that's that's it's no longer kind of a dirty secret and we're not really brushing it under the rug anymore.
2: No, I don't. I mean, I think most people saw that from day one. Um, but I mean, it's just the point. I think we talked a little bit earlier. I'm just, I'm tired of it. We all know why they did it quit sugarcoating it the quicker was it andy pettit admitted to or apologized for using steroids and everybody forgot it a week later yep like just come out and be like yo i ran for the money and i think people don't have to respect it but they can at least be like do you i'm I'm not going to be mad if somebody came and offered me a hundred million dollars to do what i do for work right now i wouldn't ask where it came from
1: that's a very good point, right? It's awfully easy for me to sit here and judge these guys for taking money that wasn't offered to me or money that I couldn't actually take and then change my life. But as we also discussed, it's not really changing these guys' lives. You know what I mean? We love the, the Rory quote where he said, I got how many more rooms do I need in my house? You know what I mean? Do I need another private jet? You know, it's, at some level, these guys didn't need the money. So it's it's just unfortunate but as Chris stated, man, professional sports is so about greed these days. But you can flip over to the PGA Tour while it still has its issues and it still has its some things that it should work out. And that would be the other advice that I would give to these Live Tour guys is like while you're racing so hard to try to justify your actions, just do what Mr. Roberts said. Say what it's really about and don't burn any bridges with the PGA Tour because you might want to be coming back someday because I'll put my money on the tour that's been around for how many years Mr. Roberts? 70, 80 years, something like that at this point?
2: Oh man, you had to ask me. I think I failed that on my PGA entrance exam too. And I think it was like in 1918, 1920. Yeah, see
1: exactly. Like yeah. I'll just I'll I'll go with that organization that's been around for a long time versus this one run by Saudis, even though I know there's an endless pool of money, but I'll go behind I'll go behind that one than I will this this upstart league. So, make your money, don't burn any bridges. Because as much as I want to talk smack about Kepka and some of the other guys that are over there, Bryson, a few of the others, if they come back to the PGA Tour someday... I'll probably be rooting for him, you know, so let's just let's just all say what we're doing and move along. I think that's the good advice here and check out the Open championship this weekend. That's always a lot of fun. Mr. Roberts, we will say goodbye here because as Mr. King informed us before we got recording here, there's a there's a long dissertation about the game of baseball on the back end. So uh, thank you so much for jumping on, my friend.
2: No problem, thanks for having me, and uh, you didn't let me give my open pick.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I guess I had you be. I, I figured to be one of those three guys, but I guess it we
2: was. Can. I'm definitely. I'm going Team Speeth this weekend.
1: Okay, nice. All right. So we got Spieth out of you. We got Scheffler out of Chris, and we got my guy Billy Horschel out of me. And uh, always John Rahm. I'm always. I'm always Team John Rahm. He's always. He's always there for me. So I'm definitely pulling for him. But uh, Mr. Roberts, I also will let you know right now that my fridge in the garage is full of Modelo and Topo Chico. That's it. That's all we got in the garage fridge right now. So we are strictly sticking to the summer beverages that you and I recommended to the people a few weeks ago.
2: That makes me so happy. And once we're done here, we need to talk about uh, meeting up for a couple of those.
1: Ooh, that is always appreciated. Thank you so much. And uh, Mr. King, I guess we don't have to say goodbye to you because you're going to be on the other end. I guess it's time to say goodbye to me, right? Yeah, that's right. And your your cuckoo clock's going off in the background. Your cuckoo (laughs) clock, your grandfather clock is going off in the background. So I guess that does mean it's time for us to
0: help. The the oldest
2: man ever just proved it.
1: He sure did. All right, well, stick around on the other end for Jimmy. Jumping on with Chris and Evan Altman to talk about the game of baseball, which for the last time I'll remind you is not a bit. I am not watching. Go wrestling.
0: Thanks, Rod, and we are back, and we are back with the Cubs insider, Evan Altman. Evan, how are you doing tonight? And my first question is, are the Yankees the best team in baseball? Can they break the record?
3: Well, uh, I was doing pretty good until being uh, hit over the head with, with that question, I guess. Uh, you know, But hey, I, I think right now, I think it's pretty obvious that the Baltimore Orioles are the best team in baseball. Uh, because they're about to win ten straight games. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, are the Yankees the best team in baseball? I mean, when you look at a seven oh one winning percentage, uh, you know, uh, Wednesday's result pending across the board, they're way out in front of pretty much everybody. I mean, who's close? Like the Dodgers, uh, Houston's yeah. playing really well. Um. But here's the problem that the Yankees have, right, is when it comes to, I think they're on pace right now to win about 113, 112, 113 games, somewhere in there. I think if, if you extrapolate that, the trouble is, and I, and I was kind of joking about it, right, because Baltimore's still at 500, but Baltimore's fifth place in the division at 500, and they're only two and a half games out of the wild card. Every team in the AL East is solid, and... Yeah with them all play like you're looking at Tampa right you look at Boston won 20 games in June and the, the Yankees were hotter but the Yankees still gained ground on them but you're talking about a team in your division that's in third place right now that won 20 games the previous yeah. month so I it's gonna be really tough um the other thing I wonder is if so the here, here's what I love the division is so tough that Toronto is four games over 500 they're a half game out of the wild card and they fired their manager
0: I saw like, that I couldn't believe it yeah like you're, you're winning
3: games uh, you know not it's not as good as what they want to be but they're they're what they're a game behind Boston they're a game and a half behind Tampa you win two games and you're in second place in the division it is yeah. wild to me but that's I, I just think if you look at all those things like the Yankees are so far ahead in a tough division I have to think that by the time we get to September, they're going to start dialing it back, right? Set up the rotation for the playoffs, make sure people are healthy, you know, get your guys some reps if if you need to make sure you have some backup. So, yeah, are they the best? Absolutely. But I think that actually works against them when it comes to uh, their win total by the time the season finishes.
0: Yeah, I, I tell you what, they have really impressed me this year just the way – not only do they dominate games, but they also come back more than any other team in baseball right now. So they can win in different ways, and I think that showed up in the All Star ballots. They ended up getting what six players on the All Star team. I think came from the Yankees, and and I actually think that Rizzo had a case to make it seven. And speaking of the All Star game, were you pleased with the uh, the picks? Was there anybody that you thought deserved it that maybe didn't get a nod? Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, there were a few, it was, it's, it's always a little bit odd. And I, and I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if baseball is any worse than any other ones. And it, it might just be because there's, um, there's so many players in there and you have the fan vote and, and sometimes, you know, you get some guys in there who are, um, by all means, you know, you think, well, this guy doesn't deserve it. He's just popular he plays for a, a big market team or whatever. But I, I think where it's tough is you have so many, and I think this is a function of this is probably something we'll get into a little bit later, but pitching is clearly dominant. Like, you've got some great hitters, but there are so many excellent pitchers. I was shocked. And a, and a lot of these guys, right, there's some who have who have now made it in because of other injuries or whatever guys who, who can't or won't be pitching. But, like, Dylan Cease not being on immediately when he's having one of the most dominant seasons. Um, you know, far be it for me to give credit to the White Sox, but uh, Kevin Gossman... Carlos Rodon. I mean, I don't – how these guys – and and I know, um, you know, Rodon was one of the first ones back in. Devin Williams in uh, Milwaukee, right, one of the most dominant relievers, but he's not the closer, and that's, you know, so the numbers don't match up. I mean, Ty France from the Mariners probably should have made it. Uh, I think Austin Riley was another one, right, and there's a lot of these guys who will get – probably get some recognition like the nfl pro bowl right you could be the sixth person at your at your spot and finally eventually make it but there's just so many good pitchers i think it's impossible not to snub a few of them
4: but boy it felt like there were more than usual this year so evan uh by the way this is jimmy uh chris thanks for that great introduction i really appreciate it sorry evan he just really wanted to get that yankees uh question in for you earlier uh, let's talk about Let's talk about my boy, Ian Happ. He's one of my favorite players with the Cubs. He made his first all-star team. We got Ian Happ. We got Wilson Contreras. As of uh, Wednesday at about 945, they are both still Cubs. How excited are you for them to be on the squad? And uh, give, me, give us your thoughts about uh, them moving forward this year. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool. Um,
3: those are, are probably, you know, two of the, uh, I guess we could consider them former Cubs on the All-Star team at this point, uh, depending on when somebody might be listening to the pod. <laughs> That's the next
4: segment, but yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. But uh,
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping the gun there. But if you're listening to this uh, on August 2nd or later, then uh, then it'll, it'll bleed right in. Um, I segged a little early. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it, Contreras was like a given, right? I mean... Obviously, far and away the best offensive catcher in the National League, if not all of baseball, right? And, of course, we could make the argument that part of that is because he's been working as a DH so often. But uh, third time in, third time starting, no-brainer. I I think Hap was a really cool one because when you looked at it, like he got in on the player vote Um, because initially, and I think he might have moved up a little bit in the popular vote there, but at one point he was 17th among outfielders. 17th and and his stats and his, his overall production was clearly so much better but that's one of those where when you play for a really terrible team and when you don't it, like hap doesn't do any one thing particularly well right up until this season he's played a few different positions mm-hmm. uh, he he's a switch hitter but he doesn't have a ton of power you know he's got a little pop from each side he's not he's not batting 350 he's not hitting 30 home runs there's you know he's not stealing a ton of bases he just does all these little things well he just doesn't do he doesn't have that one carrying trait and I think that hurts him in the eyes of the fans but the players obviously recognize that so it was really cool to see that for him and and for a guy who you know has has really done a lot to uh, out, you know off the field right I mean he's got his own podcast that's gotten really popular he does all this he's got like a, a line of coffee and he's uh, you know got got all kinds of various little endeavors. There's a really cool thread about him on Twitter from a a mom whose son kind of befriended him and has, has sort of followed his career and, and Hap's been really cool with them. I think that was just a, a little microcosm. But uh, when you look at guys like Contreras is the obvious one, but but beyond that, you know, guys who've been a part of this team for a long time and who kind of exemplify, you know, who uh, to the fans, kind of who this ball club is uh, from a personality standpoint. And that sort of I mean, Hap is. One of those guys, kind of a man of the people, and um, and I think has gone underrated for a long, long time. Everybody looks at his inconsistency, but they don't look at the overall production and what he brings to the table. So for him to be rewarded like that, uh, I thought it was super cool for a team as bad as the Cubs are to get two guys in when you know you really only need the one minimum. Uh, I, I think speaks a lot to kind of how the how his peers view him, which is probably honestly a little bit more important than what the fa- fans think.
0: Yeah. And for those out there, if you want a quick way to know how to get demoted, forget to introduce your producer. Uh, yeah, no good, one can hear uh, this,
4: Chris, because you're 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 muted for the rest of the time now. So go ahead.
0: <laughs> there was another good story that involved the Cubs from this all star game and that's the Contreras brothers. Yeah, we know Wilson was going to get there, but his brother got on as well as the first two brothers starting in an all-star game together since the Alamo brothers back in 1992. I thought that's a really cool story.
3: Yeah, and I I mean, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of that. So, you know, William and, you know, he made it as a DH. Bryce Harper's not going to play, so now he gets kind of bumped up to the starting spot. And to see them, you know, they got to uh, play against one another, with between the Braves and the Cubs, and and I know that that both of them have talked a lot. Of, and, and Wilson has been very very vocal about that. I know, um, I, I know they have. I think it was their their dad, you know, got to see them play against one another this season. I think, uh, I think it's his older brother had never actually seen him play in the major leagues before, despite the fact that he's been around for several years now, um, just because of travel issues or what have you. So. Uh, the, the family aspect of that and to be a couple of kids who came up with very little right to be able to make it all the way through that system. So, you know, from Venezuela to come up to be a part of the minor league system to make it through that, to make it to the majors and then to be an all star. I mean, you think about the odds of two. I don't care where you're from, two brothers making it that far and then to start an all star team and. Um, that's just got to be one of the coolest things I can't even imagine, right? Like how that all happens, and the fact that both of them are catchers, and both of them do some DHing as well, um, and uh, uh, you know until this may change, may have probably changed tonight, uh, but at least as of the finish of the games last night, both of them had a career one eighteen WRC plus, um, right? Some sample differences aside. It's pretty cool. Like they're they're both very similar offensive profiles, and that's not you know look at like the if you look at the Molina brothers, right, who are all catchers and, yeah. and variously successful, but they, they were all very different in terms of their profiles. So to see these two do that. Um, it, it's a really cool story. Uh, unfortunately, one that, that that Cubs fans may not uh, look back at as, as warmly here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, but for now, it's right. really fun.
0: The only other thing I want to bring up about All Star Game is my favorite player in the major leagues right now, and that's Shohei. Uh, do you think he is putting together a strong enough case this year to repeat as uh, MVP?
3: I, I, you know, at the risk of maybe uh, upsetting yourself and other Yankees fans who who would, who would want to lean on Aaron Judge, I just think if you look at Otani is starting – he's the starting pitcher and the starting DH on the All-Star team, right? He's he's on there as a pitcher and a, and a hitter. It is insane. Under either one of those things individually, he could be considered – on a team with Mike Trout, he could be considered the best hitter. Um, he's definitely the best pitcher on the team. So I think when you look at his contributions from both sides – and how he is able to impact the game, and you just—I mean—look at his pitching stats alone, and you're like, "This dude's easily one of the best pitchers in the majors." And then you look at it you're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, he just hits bombs every time he steps in there as the DH." I just his his overall contribution, the way he's able to impact the game. The only thing I think that would be working against him, and, and understandably so, is the fact that you know someone like Aaron Judge, as we mentioned, is playing for a team that's going to win over 100 games, and somehow through the most negligent team organization management that you could ever possibly put together the angels have arguably the two best players on the planet right mm-hmm. and you could easily make an argument for that and they are awful just brutally bad right they you know they had to fire joe madden because they lost 14 straight games or whatever it was how that's possible i don't know but you know outside of just Otani is truly, in the sense of the word, the most valuable player. Um, is he the most outstanding or most important player? No, that's probably Judge, because you take him away from the Yankees. They're still going to be very good, but that significantly hampers, you know, any kind of World Series contention, especially if they're having to go up again against that tough division and and really probably face the Dodgers or someone like that. Um, but it's, it's so sad that both of those players, and to me, Otani in particular – is languishing there with the angels on a team that is absolutely going nowhere and cannot properly showcase his talent.
0: Yeah, no, he's, he is a generational type player. That's for sure. And that's why he's my favorite player in the majors right now. I want to see that be the future of baseball, but let's get back to our cubbies. Um, And some things that I noticed, especially once the All-Star rosters got put out, that there are some names on those rosters that used to wear Cubs uniforms. And it makes me kind of lament the fact that they still don't. Uh, Jock Peterson, uh, Schwarber, uh, and then we have Happen Contreras. Rizzo, again, I said he could could make a case for being on the All-Star game this year. But what... What went wrong? What are we doing to fix it? And can we see some of these types of players on our team again?
3: Yeah, you know, it's um, I don't know if it's ironic. We can ask Alanis if that's uh, the proper term or not. That that the two, you know, Kyle Schwarber was not, in it, and I still like the thing. I I can understand if the Cubs didn't feel that Schwarber merited the value of an extension because clearly they felt the same way about literally everyone else uh, who has come up to the end of their contract other than Kyle Hendrickson and David Bodie, right, for some strange reason. But rather than pay Kyle Schwarber $10 million, they said, you know, we don't want to even do that. We are not even going to offer you a contract. We don't think you're even worth keeping around to the trade deadline. Feel free to go find your own deal somewhere else. And so he does. Uh, We saw what happened with him last year. He's now hit like, what, 28 home runs in the first half of the season with Philly. Um, That's a guy they didn't want to give $10 million to. So rather than do that, they gave Jock Peterson $7 million. And then they traded him at the deadline to an Atlanta team that was a half game better than the Cubs were at the time. They were right there, both around 500. And then we saw the Cubs fall into just complete obscurity I don't know if either of you remembers this, but the Braves went on to actually win the World Series. It's weird what happens when you actually try to go out and acquire players uh, for a for a stretch run. I I don't know if, if Cubs fans remember what that's like, uh, but that is possible. And so, you know, the unfortunate thing is the Cubs are just not in a position where they're trying to contend. But could that flip around? You know, absolutely. I think... Uh, you know, you're looking at a guy in Nico Horner, who, realistically, if his name was Trey Turner, would well, Trey Turner is in the All-Star game, right? But if if Nico Horner has a different name, if he's playing, if Nico Horner's playing for the Dodgers, he's in the All-Star game. He's hitting incredibly well. He's playing, arguably, again the best defense at short in the majors. He's got the highest defensive run saved, um, and is really, really playing well over there. So they have some guys in the future that are coming up. I think we're probably looking at a few years from now unless they go out and sign a free agent uh, or three in the offseason. But um, it it is tough, though. It's tough to watch those guys who used to mash on the north side doing so somewhere else. You know, watching Kyle Schwarber in the home run derby is going to be tough, right? Like, it just stinks. But, hey, things can change. Um, But for now we're looking at a team that just simply does not necessarily want to employ those players because they'd
4: have to pay them a lot of money and they don't look like they want to do that right now. Chris's grandfather clock is going off because of course he is an old man. I think it's also interesting that they get rid of Schwarber the year before the universal DH is put into place. And he could have just been there for the next decade, uh, just hitting bombs and everything would have been fine. So yeah, it is what it is, I guess, isn't it, Chris?
0: Yeah, that would have been, that would have been perfect. Like the way I look at it, you mentioned Jock for 7, Sorber for 10. That's 17 mil. That's a whole lot of offense that you're getting at that type of price right now that they don't have. And to be honest, I actually kind of like some of the young guys that we have up. That Morel kid is really raking. Uh, he's been pretty consistently good since he got called up. I really think... We And we've talked about this in the past, Evan, that they really needed to make that switch from hitting to pitching, but I haven't seen that pan out yet.
3: Yeah, that's that's the tough part. And, and I mean, you, you get a little bit of it. Um, you, you're starting to see some of it. You know, Keegan Thompson is looking like he could legitimately beat. Now, I, I don't think a number one or number two, but, you know, in that three range. And Justin Steele has shown some flashes. Um, and, and really, uh, Wednesday's game – not a great start for him. If people are looking at this most recently, you know, his his, here's a guy who just came off the paternity list because he just had a baby on Monday. So you could kind of look at a few things there and um, you could understand where maybe that that next start after that might not be the greatest. But, you know, they have a couple guys up who are are part of that rotation now who figure to be moving forward. But it's tough to envision. uh, Caleb Killian is a lot better than what he's shown at the major league level so far. But from, from what people you know who haven't been able to watch his his kind of ascendance through the minors, you know when you see that he seems to walk way too many batters he, he lacks control that's tough to kind of project but they're they're really if you look at their top prospects it's still very very heavy on position players and you know even to add to that these are guys who aren't going to debut until 2024 even if we're getting pretty optimistic and and so there's there's a lot of tough spots there. It's um you know, the other interesting thing, we look at the the two wrinkles, right? We talked about pitching, but the funny thing is you look at this team and, and everybody who who could see them from the start said, What what do the Cubs really need? You know, well, they need lefty power. They need a lefty bomber. Well, Kyle Schwarber. Oh, huh? what side is he bat from? Oh yeah, he's a lefty. Jock Peterson, lefty. Um, now, but we'll go out. And I, and I like, say, a Suzuki, and that's great, but right-handed hitter. You know, everybody they seem to add is is from that right side. And um they got a couple guys who are coming up. I think there's some unheralded prospects who are going to make some noise here probably this year, especially after the trade deadline when spots open up. But they, they really desperately need to go out. And I'm not saying sign, you know, five top-line starters or anything like that. But they could really really use and man I wanted him to get Carlos Rodon last year I'm sure he's going to opt out I don't know if they're going to want to pay him what he's going to command if he remains healthy this year but they need a pitcher in the worst way who goes out there and throws upper 90s and gets strikeouts who can go six or seven innings and punch dudes out steal their souls and let the bullpen have an easy outing and they they don't have multiple guys like that in the system right now, at least from what it looks like.
0: And since you brought it up, what are the Cubs going to look like after the trade deadline this year? Is it going to be all these all-stars getting traded or is it going to be something else?
3: Unless something changes, um, you know, whether that's with health, right? Like we heard, um, you know, Kyle Hendricks is out at least two to three weeks, uh, from this two or three more weeks, and he's been out for a week now uh, before he even starts playing catch. So he will not be back barring a, a change to the timeline they provided before the before the trade deadline. And, and he was a guy who was garnering a lot of interest, right? There were a lot more rumors about that uh, because, again, he does have a, another year of control and even a club option after that. Uh, and despite the fact that he's getting lit up like a Christmas tree, generally in the first inning of every game, way too many home runs, He's also a proven commodity with a playoff track record who, you know, a contender could pick up. Maybe it's the Mets or someone, right, who who even after they get Scherzer and DeGrom back, maybe they want that veteran kind of back in there, get a little bit more of a presence and a change of pace. Who knows? But um, they are actively trying to move Ian Hap, um, or, you know, I don't know how much is – I don't want to say actively, but I guess they're, they are absolutely planning to move Hap. Um, again, unless something happens, if the, if the market doesn't come together and they can't get any kind of an offer, they still got another year on him. So they're maybe not as aggressive as they would have to be. But when you look at some of these other ones, I mean, Wilson Contreras, again, they haven't worked out any kind of an extension with him. It doesn't appear that there's any kind of a negotiation happening there. The, the odds are – and when they're playing as poorly as they are with absolutely zero chance of the postseason – you know, I think they have to move, just like what happened with the other guys last year. So you'll see that. Um, I mean, I think we're going to see a move. David Robertson's going to be gone, right? You don't need a closer when you're only going to win 60 games. Uh, Michael Givens is as good as gone. So we're going to see I, – I don't think the market evolves at all on Marcus Stroman. I don't think he's. it's even possible they could move him. But for some reason, if somebody did come in with a wild offer, I could see that happening. Um, the, the real issue, though, and, and here's why – they don't. I don't say this is. This isn't why they're going to need to move half, but you know they they picked up Wade Miley on a ten million dollar option. They signed Drew Smiley to a smaller deal, with the not necessarily the intent, but with the hope that if things did go kind of sideways, that they'd be able to flip those guys, turn them into really competent, or they they wouldn't turn them into, but just raise Smiley's value maybe a little bit, give him a shot. Miley's always been a really good one. You could flip those guys at the deadline, and you had zero emotional or financial commitment to them beyond the trade deadline. Very easy moves to make. However, they've both been hurt off and on, haven't looked good. And so now you're looking at all these guys who you thought you could move and get much better value for that you now can't. And so that's not why they're looking to move Hap. But I think when you look at someone whose value is at an all-time high and then you look at all these other players who you can't necessarily recoup that from I think they look at that as like we we almost have to move him now so we can recoup that value and then flip, you know, get a good draft pick, and then maybe we can make some things work next year. So it's this thing is going to get torn down close to the studs again, um, which is is really unfortunate. But I guess it gives us a chance to maybe see some of these young players and to to see them get a consistent shot so that they can figure out, you know, where do we really need to add and and who is going to be around for the long haul. So we'll we'll see a very different team, I think, come August 3rd.
0: Jimmy, are are you okay there, buddy? Uh, he talked a lot about Ian Hap having to leave Chicago.
4: It just seems like a great way to build a team where you sign people that aren't that good and you really don't want, but they might be good enough to get something for at the deadline. I'm fine with that. I think that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> right? And, you know, the, the homegrown people – uh, you know or that have been with you forever uh let's just let's get rid of them i think that's fine Stupid it's a Cubs. great plan right it's a great Stupid. plan
3: it's and that's the unfortunate thing here here's what's and i and i get right they keep trying to thread a needle and and it is possible if a lot of these moves are for players who are close to major league ready or are major league ready and maybe just blocked by another team Right, uh, similar to a position where the Cubs were in a few years ago, where they they moved a bunch of players, you know, to uh, to get a role as Chapman, or or then you know the, five years ago to the day that we're recording this is when they uh, they acquired uh, Jose Quintana in exchange for Dylan Cease, uh, who's one of the best pitchers in the American League right now. Wonderful, very intelligent move uh, at that point. Oh, it looked a lot better on paper at the time. Actually, now it's gotten just progressively worse with each passing day since, but if they are able to get some of those guys up you know now I'm not talking about teenagers who are gonna take five years to to mature they might might be able if they chose to spend some money flip that thing around quickly but what I can't wrap my brain around right is that they have not that many name brand stars as it is they move on from those guys so now you've lost a lot they've, they've lost a ton of season ticket revenue first of all. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling to, to maintain, uh, the hype and the vibe. There's a reason I get a, like three text messages a day and two emails <laughs> from their marketing department. Hey, come on out. We'll give you a, you know, we'll buy you a f- first beer or wine on us. Right. Like
4: you have to it's give like away. a $35 dollar value though. That's not, yeah. Bad. I
3: mean, that's, that's like worth the cost of the seat right there. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen a marketing push like this and now they're doing things like they're, they're adding the sports book as a way to try to draw fans like you're you're investing more money to draw fans with a sports book than you are with players on the field on whom you're actually going to bet right it's a it's this weird backward setup and i just i don't believe they understand exactly how much they're hurting their future chances and i just i understand that there are differences between liquidity and value and all that sort of thing. But, boy, it is – they're going to – I don't know if they've reached the inflection point yet, but at some point it's going to get there to where it doesn't matter if they get good again. They're going to have to spend so much more time and money to win back fans' faith to be able to want to go there and believe that that team is going to stick around again. Uh, because you know, again, Cubs fans will be back. If they're winners, there'll be people there at the ballpark. I just think
4: it, it, another year like what we're seeing now is going to be really, really tough for people to take. And it's also they're going to have to spend so much more money than they would have had to spend if they just kept these guys that they are yes. that they got rid of. And that's a big issue. And you did forget to mention because I love the I love the Quintana trade on so many levels because it's just so idiotic. Um, you forgot to mention the other player that was included in that trade, uh, Elo Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez uh, was also part of that trade. Uh, not, not the best uh, north side to south side trade we've ever done.
3: No, it's not quite up there with uh, George Bell for Sammy Sosa. Uh, Correct. Certainly, you know, and, uh, and, and it's, uh, boy, the, the other one, the Craig Kimbrell for, for Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer is starting to look like a wash. At this point, like it looked like the Cubs might have fleeced the White Sox, and then you know two weeks later it's like Hoyer blows out his elbow, and then Nick Mandrill can't hit the ball out of the infield. So um, I don't know who who beat whom on that one, or if it really mattered. But it is, um, you know, there there are times when if I squint, I can really see some things with with what the Cubs could do. Like I said, I mean they they could flip these guys and get major league players who are blocked and and that that fill in because that's the only way. Right? If you if you trade away Wilson Contreras, who's making like ten million dollars mm-hmm. and Ian Happ, who's making six million dollars. It's not it that is much impossible. Money. Yeah, that is nothing, not much money. It's not much money. Nothing in major league dollars, right? You do not replace an all star certainly not an all star catcher. You're not replacing him for ten million bucks a year. You are not replacing an all star left fielder for anything <laughs> six approaching six million dollars a year. Uh nowhere close and and here's what we got to consider. This is a bad team with those players. <laughs> if you move them, they now they're gone. Now it's a now it's a rock bottom team, right? We're already talking about a team with a bottom 5 record in baseball with two all-stars. Now try to remove them. Now you have to replace them and add significantly on top of that. We're talking about having to go out and get five free agents, like five relatively marquee free agents. If you're looking at turning this current roster into a contender, um, you know, but then, and then then you're still talking about prospects not being a couple, maybe two years away. It is, um, it's really difficult to make the calculus kind of work, but I I can assure you there are plenty of people who are willing and able to do tons of mental gymnastics and, and very pleased with what the Cubs are doing. There are a lot of people who are all in on this because they saw it work, 10 years ago, right? And it's like, well, why can't they just do that again? Like, you know how much has to break right for all that to happen, right? Like, it's not just, oh, draft high, sign John Lester, win World Series. It does, it, that's, <laughs> have God
4: create a, sc- a rainstorm. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Have, can, have, have get the CFC,
3: every uh, Cleveland pitcher get hurt before the World Series starts and, and have, you know, Trevor Bauer cut his finger on his drone and, and you know, all these – all these things have to fall in. Have Kyle Schwarber come back from a devastating knee injury two <laughs> games into the season to hit, you know, to DH. I mean, it's just it's it's unfathomable how many things have to break. Absolutely right. It's not as easy as people thought it was. And uh, you know, it, it they've got to spend and here's the other thing. It's not like they just did all that and had it on like a shoestring Tampa Bay rays budget. They were spending a lot yeah. of money to make that all happen, right? So, you've got to get the prospects, but they've got to pump that in. If the Cubs are spending a payroll of less than $200 million, they're doing the fans a disservice. They need to be in the top three to five in payroll every single year because they can, right? That's not, not because other teams need to do that. You can't look at it so say, well, the Rays, I don't care. This is a totally different financial situation. It's an entirely different ballpark structure, entirely different broadcast revenue, and – it's Tampa freaking Bay Rays. They're an expansion team. They're not one of the marquee, eighteen seventy six based originals, right? That have been in this place for over a hundred years.
0: Yeah, you're, you're speaking. You're speaking Rod's language right now. He's always wanting them to spend the money to win. And he gets tired of me because I'll do that too. I'll be the first one to admit. Like I keep bringing up the Brewers as an example. They always have a lower payroll. They're always able to stay above five hundred and compete in the Central. But I think you're right. I think the Cubs themselves specifically need to spend that money. Yeah,
3: you know, like if you can, you know, it, it's sort of and, and and I look at it like, do you need to spend money? This is the, but this is the excuse that they'll use. Look at so-and-so. Look at such-and-such. And that's great. And the, and the Rays and, and the Brewers as well, right? They've done, but how many, how many World Series have the Brewers ever won? How many World Series have the Rays ever won? The answer combined is zero, right? Now, the Rays haven't been around all that long, and that's understandable, but they don't have the margin for error. If you look at that, and those teams can be pretty good throughout the regular season, but they'll run into trouble in the playoffs, and they're not going to finish that out or they don't have that extra little push because they didn't spend Like, money is going to clear up a lot of problems, right? Like, people point yeah. to Jason Hayward as an issue, but the fact is the Cubs could have spent that money, and they did spend that money, and they went out and got a guy who at the time, right, they didn't need him to be a masher. They didn't need him to be their top offensive producer. They needed a gold-glove right fielder who was a great leader, a good clubhouse presence, and if that's what it costs to win a World Series, that's what you go out and do. And, and that's what a team with a bunch of money, look at the Mets, look at the Yankees and the Dodgers, like the Dodgers, my God, they just go out every year. Oh, Hey, we'll just, Oh, we'll go pick up Mookie Betts. Oh, we'll just go. uh, We'll go sign Freddie Freeman. And at the same time, we're going to promote this guy and this guy and this guy from our top uh, prospects. And they'll come in and and fill in the spots. Like that's the way you do it. And they have a tremendous margin for error. Again, Yankees, same way. They got young guys coming up. They're paying their current stars. They've gone out and traded for some big name guys. They can do that because they spend and develop. You have to do both. You cannot just do one and think that it's going to be enough to handle it.
0: Yep, I think you're absolutely right, and it really feels like it's they're being run like the Cubs of like the mid nineties. I or you know where where you were happy when they won fifty games, sixty games. That's what you expected. Uh, that's what it really feels like right now the yankees are really good the cubs are down our cellar dwellers again it just feels like the 90s all over again and i'm 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 with you i want to see them spend some money i want to see them make some moves i don't want to wait another 100 years to see them win a world series
3: yeah and if they if they wait that long uh they're going to be really in trouble uh obviously like i said i mean there's there's too much going on around the ballpark if if you're going to ask fans to pay the highest prices, the highest ticket prices in baseball and you're going to ask them to put up with things like and and as much as I I try to not be uh, just a stodgy traditionalist, I I still the idea of adding uh, you know, and I don't like ownership. I, I hate the idea that they somehow finagled the city government into allowing them to get national landmark status and and immediately afterward, they announced plans for a sports book. Like, how how do you? I don't know how those things fit. Um, it, it's weird to me. I don't like the idea of it, and I hate the idea that that they seem to be willing and able to pull this wool over fans' eyes. I don't know about able, but they they think they can. Um, I, I've said this before, probably on this pod, but it 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 feels like so the ownership and business operations has uh kind of a an ancillary you know they, they they feel like they have a cubs adjacent sense of what it means to be a cubs fan cuz Tom Ricketts was in the bleachers right and he met his wife there or whatever like he's not an actual fan but he he got there and he dug the party experience of Wrigley and I totally understand that but everything they have done since is like um you know it's it's like there's some algorithm or there's some artificial intelligence idea that they plugged in some thoughts and words and phrases and then they synthesized this concept of what it means to be a Cubs fan because they don't truly understand it and then what they've been trying to do is sell that vision back to Cubs fans right and a lot of people are buying it and that's fine but it just it doesn't feel real it feels again it feels synthetic it feels like it's the the beyond meat You know, instead of going (laughs) to get an actual hot dog. And that's what they're trying to do. They're like, we think this is what
0: a hot dog tastes
3: like. Uh, Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh,
0: Oh, I love having you here, Evan. And I know I've kept you here a while. Uh, The only other thing I would ask is, do you got time for a Manfred rant or do you need to get going?
3: Yeah, I've always, you don't even need to. Do, do, you, do you want to guide me in my Manfred rant, or do you just want me to go so, off against the
0: guy? <laughs> so I, I guess I'll guide you a little bit, but there's obviously some issues with baseball, uh, attendance being one of them. Uh, I went on a little bit of rant a couple weeks ago when Rob let us talk baseball, and my real issues was hitting, more than anything, your Averages are down to historic lows. Your batting average on balls in play are down to historic lows. Uh, strikeout rates are up. Um, is there a quick fix for any of this? Is is there really anything that Manfred could do? Is he even the man? Does he need to leave? I mean, I guess that's where I'm at. Like Baseball needs a jumpstart of something. Where do you think that's going to come from?
3: Yeah, so if we... It- you know, I'll start with this and it's it's not very different from what you see with with Roger Goodell in the NFL right like the uh, these guys are he's they're corporate lawyers right and and I no offense to anyone out there who may be a, a corporate lawyer maybe some of you actually have personalities I, I don't know but a, a lot of them that I run into their entire job consists of, of one or two things risk management and profit maximization. That is all. There is, They do not care about enjoyment or humanity or anything like that. Rob Manfred does not give a damn about whether fans enjoy the game or not. He cares about maximizing profits for his employers or the owners. He cares about the bottom line. That's it. Right, that That's all. And I know there are some things. There there are some some quick fixes, right? And I'm not even necessarily talking robo-umps, although that would be part of it because if you could – like umpires are bad, right? Pitchers dominate the game. Pitchers are too good just flat out. They, they have an incredible advantage over hitters. And when you have a human back there behind the plate trying to discern – what's going on with a 100-mile-an-hour pitch that's moving the way some of these guys can throw it or with different breaking balls, and you're having them try to try to call that zone fairly and accurately, uh, it's a guessing game. But if you actually had a zone that players could trust, that they knew what's going to be a strike and a ball, that helps. I, I do think uh, limiting or eliminating the shift is another one. I know a lot of people don't like it because it feels forced and inorganic, but... Uh, if we're talking about a way to increase batting average, especially for left-handed hitters, left-handed hitters get killed by the shift. Um, it's almost impossible to go through it. And so if you did a couple of those things, that would improve. Um, I think a pitch clock. I mean, if we look at it, it's not, it's, you know, the length of games, I don't think it's as big a deal as what they make it out to be. But you're seeing these minor league games get done routinely in under two and a half hours. Some of them just over two hours because there's just too much jacking around. Hitters getting out fixing the gloves you know nomar Para fixing his his wristbands 15 times and you know pitchers are taking forever if you shorten a lot of that stuff up all of a sudden this game's moving quickly um you're, you're seeing more hits you're seeing a little bit more offense but but again I, I think what it comes down to baseball has made it so difficult like has actively made it difficult to consume its product they're putting Friday games on Apple TV plus that you got to have a subscription <laughs> to separately they're putting games on peacock the futures game futures young players stars of tomorrow streaming on peacock um, you cannot and this this one like I don't think it most people care about this as much but owning a, and operating a blog it, it chaps me to no end I cannot go on MLB's page on their website and search their videos I cannot get an embed code for the video I cannot embed their videos into a post and this is something that you know MLB produces they make it so difficult to share their product I have there's an exciting play I want to share this with someone hey Major League Baseball I would like to show someone else I know thousands of people I know this cool play this neat thing that a player in your league did that somebody might want to watch
0: but no I cannot do that so like the 8-5 triple play from the other week yeah
3: Like, why – and, you know, the NBA's got it right. Like, the NBA is just letting people do this left and right. Let's share it. Let's put this out there. Let's make our product available. Let's try to do different things with this and get into different markets. And Major League Baseball is, like, actively just saying, no, you know, we're going to move more of our games to paid platforms that, uh, you know, a a fraction of our viewing audience has access to because that'll help, right? But they don't care – if people can watch it or not because when you look at it the deals that they've got the broadcast deals they have despite the fact that fewer people are actually watching the game they're making more money as a league that is the only thing rob manfred cares about and the owners care about they don't care if you can watch it they care that they're getting more money to have those games broadcast by whomever and that's that's the bottom line as Stone Cold, so they're as actually
0: well. making more. They're making more money with all of these localized deals throughout the country with weird blackout zones everywhere than yeah. they would be able to consolidate that and sell it to multiple. I mean, according at
3: least based on what they had, their broadcast deals, their aggregate broadcast deals this year went up significantly over last year, despite ESPN dropping a lot of their games. Now, is it possible, and there are some things out there, right? There's Sinclair Broadcast Group uh, that that owns or co-owns Marquee with the Cubs, right? That's one of them that they were trying to put together a direct-to-consumer streaming service where people would pay, you know, just it'd be like the, a Netflix for sports. So I know they have NBA rights and, and NHL, and they have some Major League Baseball teams, but uh, my understanding of that is that it still would be subject to blackout, so you still would have to live in that team's... Broadcast region to get it, uh, so you'd be kind of left without a bunch of those teams, and they're trying to charge like twenty bucks a month for it. So it it's kind of a dumb product concept there. But uh, until they open the whole thing up, and even then, I think the issue becomes if we open it up, do we get enough people who are now willing? Because as it is now, right, anyone who I have Xfinity as my cable provider, I have Marquee on there. Anybody who's got Xfinity on that same package is paying for Marquee as part of that package, whether they watch it or not. So that's the key there is that, you know, uh, say 25% of viewers in the Indianapolis area want to watch Marquee and the Cubs. Well, the other 75% of them who have it are still paying for it. And so they're making so much more money because if you said, oh, we'll allow you to just buy this channel a la carte or buy a Cubs viewing package or whatever, well guess what? Then you're only getting money from 25% of the people. And in order to make the same amount of money, now you got to charge them four times as much. So now are people actually going to pay for that product? So they're, they're looking at that burden in the hand version. It makes them a bunch more money. It does not. Again, here's the thing. Think about it just like anything else, their business, if they could make more money by doing it on a different model, you can bet they would figure out a way to do that tomorrow, but they don't trust that they can make that money. We've talked about risk management as well. The risk, reward factor is not enough so they're going to stick with the big market deals that they have right now and they're going to rake in money hand over fist a couple billion dollars and call it a day and they don't care whether you like it or whether you can watch it or can't watch it and uh whether that kills them in the future because most of those owners aren't going to be around for that much longer because if they're getting three billion dollars for their franchise they're just going to cash out and they're good they'll let it be the next person's problem it's it's like global warming and climate change that's cool. Oh, the oceans are gonna rise. I don't care, man. I'm gonna be dead by then. So, you know, let me <laughs> let me go fire up my diesel and and let's roll.
0: Three billion dollars is nothing to laugh at, though.
3: No, that's <laughs> I way. mean that's 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 a, that's a lot, right? Like that's and and they, yeah. here's the thing is they will tell you right and an owner, or at least one owner, but I mean most of them, like sports team ownership is not. I want to. I'm not saying they're not concerned with profits. I'm not saying they don't want to make money. Well, these, these people got enough money. It's not like it's a job for them, right? They they do not need uh, to to have enough money coming in to like put food on the table for their families, right? They're fine there, yeah. but they will tell you it's asset appreciation. It's all yeah. about that. So again, it's not the day to day stuff. So when it comes to like the again the TV rights things like that, like that's cool, you know, that's great, and they'll they will put a couple bucks in their pocket but it's all about how how big can you grow that asset because uh, I mean that's going to allow you to borrow against it it's going to make it so that when you go to sell it you're going to make four and five and ten times more than what it costs you to buy it and at that point that is in insanely generational wealth that it doesn't matter what happens in the meantime because during a COVID year when the Cubs claimed to have had biblical losses their franchise value still increased by five percent that's all that matters that's all they care about right and so that's you know, people talk about there's a joke about the stock market, right? Well, uh, this is not nearly as risky as a stock market, like, or it's more risky or whatever. I forget, Manfred tried to tried to say something stupid about how they had financial advisors telling this, and it's like, yeah, but no one's got $3 billion in one stock, right? Nobody's right. going out there like, I've got $3 billion in Microsoft. No, you don't. It's spread out across everywhere. It's a totally different investment, and if you look across the asset appreciation of Major League Baseball, it's a pretty darn good investment to be in. That's a solid profile. If you're making five to ten percent a year on something where you put a billion dollars into it, um, but again, they they bought it for nine hundred million. The rickets that is with the Cubs, and now it's valued close to four billion dollars as a franchise. That's you know, insane. fifteen years later. So, um, you know, you find me a stock that will do that for you, and uh, you know, right. well, I, I don't, I don't have nine hundred million dollars to invest, so it doesn't matter. But it's, <laughs> It's a good way to go, but as long as that's happening, they they just they just don't care, right? I talked about synthesizing the idea um, and, and trying to make it seem like they'll do things. Rob Manfred will say things because he he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about anybody outside of those thirty owners and the people to whom he is beholden. As long as he keeps them happy, he's getting paid a boatload of money to do what he does, and he can just do whatever he he does not. He doesn't care about baseball, and that's that. Again, he's not going to be around in twenty years. He's not going to be commissioner twenty years from now. What does he care? His legacy? Come on, I mean that's already ruined. So it doesn't matter. I just it's it's really sad and unfortunate because until something happens to make them change their business model or to make them care about actually growing the sport, they won't do it because they don't have to.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And again, it's it's always a pleasure to have you on evan thank you so much
3: oh, i'm happy to i always uh i always uh, ramble quite a bit more than than what i figured <laughs> so I, I apologize to uh you know to the production that has to go on after the fact to probably like figure out how to parse out my 20 minute answers into something people will be more palatable with
4: but um but no it's fun i love talking baseball
0: thanks jimmy you got anything for evan before we go
4: I just want to say thanks again, and Evan, where can, where can all the fans of uh, Balls and Brew uh, see your content at? Uh, you can uh,
3: you can catch me at, at Cubs Insider, so CubsInsider.com. Insider.com um, If you just want to go straight there, obviously if you want to follow us on social media, you know you can search it search Cubs Insider on Facebook. You can find us at Real Cubs Insider on Twitter, uh, or you can go on YouTube, and we've
4: got a bunch of content there as well. So we're all over the place. Awesome, Evan. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, Chris, I think uh, I think it's your cue to take us home.
0: Goodbye, Internet.